Martha. Why did you say that name? It's my, my mother's mom's name. Hey, it's my mom's name too. Let's be best friends now. You want? Let's be best friends. <laughs> Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host Joe with my best friend, and I'm Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> right. today, today we have another in defense ep- today we have another in defense episode because there wasn't much we were excited about this january and we want to keep being positive so mm. leave your negativity at the door or don't come in yeah today i mean there's one thing but it's not fully out yet <laughs> so last of us it's only episode yeah. by episode yeah <laughs> today ryan and i defend Zack snyder's dc trilogy man of steel batman v superman and justice league Spoiler warning for all those. You can watch the 2017 Justice League. We're not talking about it. No, specifically talking about his magnum opus, the four and a half hour Snyder Cut. Yeah, we'll get there. From this extreme long shot, we zoom into our medium shot. So what's your history with these very controversial films? I remember seeing uh, Man of Steel in theaters. I remember watching the trailer for it. Seen, I remember seeing Christopher Nolan's name attached to it mm-hmm. uh, after coming off of the Batman trilogy and being really excited because he was a producer, but he wasn't a director. And then, I mean, that trailer, I think, is iconic. And then seeing it in theater, I walked out and I really enjoyed it. It Sadly to say, it is my first Superman movie. And, uh, well, that I have in recent memory. I've definitely seen the Christopher Reeves one probably when I was a small, small child. But, uh... Yeah, I re- I came out really enjoying it, really liked Henry Cavill. I was going into it not thinking much about it, but I walked out being like, man, this is a good movie. And then followed DC uh, onward from there. What about BVS? Or, no, we'll get, you know, we can get to that later. Or do you want to just talk I about I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember... Like the whole hype about, um, oh yeah, now they're gonna they're gonna try to do Batman versus Superman, kind of like the Frank Miller thing. And then me, and I was a fan of the Frank Miller Batman Returns story arc, but I was a little confused because this was Henry Cavill's second movie as Superman, and of course there was that quote unquote controversy with Ben Affleck being casted, but then he ended up being one of the best parts of the movie. And then you know, it was you can. This is in defense. We all know it was just a combat, uh, combat Civil War, which um, was released the same year as well. You know, DC trying to play catch up when they should have probably taken their time. Um, yeah. And then, you know, didn't see Justice League 2017 in theaters. Thank God. Watched it on like on my computer, like off a pirated site. Thought it was garbage. And then Snyder Cut was coming out and it was probably one of the best super hero things I've ever seen in a while <laughs> when you actually let someone do what they're intended to do and you give them like no timeline whatsoever it can be an historical epic piece for me Man of Steel I remember getting hyped even from the trailer like you were saying the trailer to me I remember the first time I saw it I was like okay so what's what's this trailer about mm-hmm. there's like this really nice score by Han Zimmer, just shots of coastal, so good. just shots of coastal towns and everything, and you hear this voice talking about, you know, being a being an inspiration and a guiding light for humanity. And okay, what's what's going on? Uh, you can, you know, help help them uh, go to the stars, and you, they can join you in the light. 
that kind of thing. I probably butchered that quote anyway. But I like how the end of the trailer is just like the kid's got his, you know, hands on his mm-hmm. hips in the in his red capes flying in the background. It's like, oh, it's a Superman movie. And then the the Superman logo goes on the screen. It, like I showed, I remember showing that trailer to my mother and not telling her what the movie was. I'm just like, just, just watch, watch, the, watch this trailer. And like, like, what do you think this is before the logo comes in the end? Because when I watched it, I'm like, okay, yeah, Man of Steel trailer. What's this about? Oh yeah, it's a Superman movie, I guess. But I'm like, the trailer didn't even look like a Superman movie. It looked just mm-hmm. like something entirely unique and standalone, which I was hooked immediately. And I watched Man of Steel, and I really enjoyed it a lot more than most people at the time. I am going to brag a little bit and say that, well, other people have since come around to Man of Steel is not so bad as they thought it was. I've been a defender of Man of Steel and Batman v Superman since the very beginning. I had a little leg on my face for Batman v Superman because, you know, it wasn't the best and like the ultimate cut made it way, way better, I think, and we'll get into it more. Mm-hmm. But I've always enjoyed these movies from the start. I'm not a bandwagoner on the hate. I never understood the hate for them because I always thought they had a lot of merit to them. And uh, yeah, we'll just get into it now, into our close-up. We'll start with Man of Steel because mm-hmm. this is a trilogy. First of all, this is a trilogy. It's got a very clear through line, which we'll discuss more when we get to Justice League. But it all starts with Man of Steel. And what do you think about Man of Steel? This is one of my favorite superhero movies. Like, it's just, I just, I really think it's so good. And I know a lot of people don't like it because it's very different than how Superman is supposed to be depicted. Uh, depicted. Wow. My English just went, it's just gone there. Um, how he's supposed to be depicted in media. He's supposed to be this beacon of light in this, you know, terrible dark world. But what if Man of Steel was, you know, somewhat uh, in set in reality? Uh, Clark can experience the world as, you know, this terrible dark place, but then learn at the end of the day that humanity is important and we should be able to protect it. And even some of the choices he makes to protect even the smallest people he does regret and he does feel bad about it, but overall he'll still protect human life. Without with all the stuff he's been through, you know, the bullies uh he had in school, uh bullies in some bars, you know, in a Canadian bar, you know, and uh even places where he's worked. And he just to me, even if this is a darker take on Superman, Henry Cavill still plays it as this beacon of light in this totally um pretty dim world that we live in. I love that the the action in it is really good um, for the time, you know, when they're when they're first fighting in Smallville. I think it's really good for a Superman origin story where he's not fully in control of his powers. I think it's done really well. And that's a big defense that I have of it where, you know, oh, he destroys too many buildings. He's he's killing so many people. This is his first like major fight. And yeah, he's not too careful with it because he doesn't really know how to hone in his powers. He's dealing with people who are the same race as his, who have years and years of training, so he might think he have to go full out right right away. You know, if you're essentially seeing gods battle each other throughout the whole movie, there's gonna be some destruction. And also, 
I'm going to call a little bit of, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Hi- hypocrisy on the people. If you watch any of the Justice League animated shows or the Superman show, there's some, there's some, um, like, there's some destruction in that show as well. But you don't freak out about because it it's animated. But, you know, sorry, live action, guess it has to be treated differently. Whatever. I think Henry Calvo is really good. His um, relationship with um, Amy Adams is really good. They have good chemistry. Not as strong as Gwen Stacy and uh, Spider-Man and the Amazing Spider-Man, but we all know that can't be topped. We talked about I that think last the week. Acting in the, yeah. mm-hmm, I think the acting in this movie is subparb. The Hans Zimmer score, you can't beat that score. Hans Zimmer is probably the, one of the top three composers of all time. It's, it's a, I think it's a great movie. Yeah, for me, I am one of the biggest super fans you will ever or never know, for you listeners. <laughs> but uh, I always have to preface Man of Steel and say that this movie really only works for me as a what-if tale of sorts. Because in a lot of ways, it does represent the Superman I like, and I'll tell you why. But... In a lot of ways, it's also, this is not the Superman I would go to. You know, if I'm going to pop in a Superman movie, it's probably going to be Superman the movie or Superman 2, the Richard Donner, Christopher Reeve ones. To me, that is Superman distilled. That is my favorite adaptation of the character. This is a great alternate take. This is 2013 Marvel Cinematic Universe is just kicking off. The Nolan Batman movies have been very successful. This grounded take on Batman. So what if we try a grounded take on Superman? In hindsight, a very flawed movie to start a whole cinematic universe for. Because like I said, it doesn't feel quite like the Superman I know, the DC I love. But as a standalone Superman movie, it's a very interesting take on Superman. And the reason I like that is because, as you said, this is a grounded take and the whole thing is a deconstruction narrative which Zack Snyder is a pretty big fan of for superheroes specifically it's about why does Superman do what he does ultimately because nobody else can and he believes it to be right nobody forced him to help fight Zod he did it to save his home it's not as inspiring as most versions of Superman But every other grounded take on Superman seems to have him turn into a dictator or a general asshole. So, because power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So, Man of Steel making Clark Kent neutral good for most of the film is still a shock for a grounded film. Even in this world where there's extreme destruction from these alien invasions, hour-long fight scenes, Jonathan Kent even having some... Some people think morally questionable decisions. Oh, should you have saved those kids on the bus? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. The, there's a lot of moral grays in this movie. But the fact that even in this grounded world, Clark Kent ends up being a good guy who uses his powers for the betterment of the world and continues to do so into the sequels, I think that's still pretty inspiring for one of these grounded-type narratives. You deconstruct Superman in these movies, and a lot of people dislike the deconstruction because they should they think, okay, Superman is just a good guy who does good. Why do you have to make it more complicated than that? And I agree. 
in general. But if you had to do this take on it, I like that at the end of the deconstruction, he's not some asshole who's going to use his powers for his own betterment in the end. At the end of the day, he is just a good guy who helps people because because he can, and arguably because he has to, but nobody's making him do it. He still feels the obligation to protect his home and his family. And there's that great scene where General Zod is saying, okay, well, you know, you are Kryptonian. We're trying to make Krypton on Earth here. And you, you know, we could do the exact same thing as, as Krypton did. You don't, you can live amongst your own people on Earth. So what are you fighting us for? And he said, Krypton had its chance. So he has his line in the sand. He could be with other people who are just as powerful as him with his own kind, but he chooses to ally himself with humanity, with Martha and Lois and his and Perry White and the, his co-workers at the Daily Planet and Smallville, the people he grew up with. So his heritage is important. It is a driving force in the movie. You know, Jor-El talks with him a lot, too. He kind of gets to know his father a bit throughout the narrative, and it is a curiosity for him. But with all this great power, he still chooses to do good with it in the end. So that's why the Mm -hmm. deconstruction is a bit annoying. You kind of have this whole movie just to get Superman where he arguably ought to be from day one. But he still ends up there. So you can crap on it all you like for the journey, but I think it's an interesting journey to put on if you had to do a Superman reboot. So Yeah, I think I I just think it's an excellent film just because of how I love when they can take these sort of otherworldly stories and these sort of impossible stories and try to make them as ground as possible, but also make you believe that uh, he still fits in the superhero world. And I think Man of Steel does that excellently. I mean, say we will about Zack Snyder in terms of written story. He's an excellent visual filmmaker. And I think this one knocks it out of the park as well. The fight scenes are great. Michael, Sh- uh, Michael Shannon as Zod, underrated villain. He puts on the performance of his lifetime here. He's incredible. And you, under- you understand um, Zod's motives throughout the whole thing. He... You know, he executes most of the council at the beginning because arguably the council is what let, led Krep, uh, Krypton to, to dying. And Michael Shannon at the very last minute is... They're arrogant, yeah, corrupt, and don't want to listen to reason. Yeah. So he takes the more um, anarchist approach to it, but hey, they're running on the clock here. And then they send him away in those really weird shaped space pods to the Phantom Zone after arresting them and... Krypton, they send, well, first he kills, uh, Pa Kent, not Kent, sorry, uh, Jor-El, Kal-El's, Jor-El's, Jor-El, he kills Jor-El, uh, before they can send the baby away to space, and then, um, send, uh, and then, sadly, we see a great visual, um, spectacle of Krypton exploding, and you see, um, the mom, mom get blown up too, which funny enough is the same actress who plays. Oh God, she's in Daredevil. Oh, she's um. Uh... Oh my God, 
Kingpin's wife, girlfriend. Vanessa. Vanessa, thank you. It's the same actress. Hmm. So, and so it's just, you understand the villain's motives behind it. He wants to save his people from complete genocide, and he goes and he sees Clark being like, you vought, you're, you're siding with these people, these like absolute weaklings who, who aren't, like, they're not on our level in terms of technology, intelligence. Like, why are you siding with these? He just sees them as just lower life forms, like almost yeah. as animals in a sort of way. And there's some anger there. You understand why he doesn't... He, you understand his hatred towards humans because, like, why would, why would you from his point of view? But then you see from Clark's point of view, hey, these are people too. They have their own lives. They have their own, they have their own story to tell, and they should be protected as well. So I think it's a really good conflict throughout the movie. And I think their final fight for for what it was at the time, 2013, it is a little bit flary in terms of lens flares, but I think it, it puts on a great, you know, these two gods battling each other in the in the sky. I don't think I've ever seen a superhero movie conclusion where I felt the punches the same way as at the mm-hmm. end of Man of Steel. Every building that gets leveled, every hit Clark and General Zod have it just you feel that it's very powerful they feel like two gods that you can't even fathom their power fighting and this would it's like last episode there's a perfect transition point here but I'm I'm just gonna (laughs) say it and pretend this is a transition but it won't be uh, you see from the ground at the beginning of Batman v Superman, this same battle play out from the perspective of a mortal man. And right. it looks very different from that perspective. It still looks just as scary, just as powerful. But, uh, oh, our world is changing now. These are the kind of people we live with. And we're not talking about BVS quite yet, so I have to jump back, unfortunately. I hate that's a great. The- that's a great opening to BVS. Yeah. That's a great opening. So I also think the conflict is interesting because of the, I just remember this, the eugenics angle of it, where Krypton society, every child was basically born into a role. The the L family was born into scientific roles. Zod was born and bred as a military person which is why he sees the world through that lens. He sees Earth as a place to be conquered. He sees the survival of his people as necessary for regrowth and expansion and Kryptonian culture to survive the way it was. Like, that's what he was bred to do. He's thinking like a military tactician. Earth is the enemy. We can't be reasoned with. Whereas Kal-El is the first natural birth on Krypton and centuries generations yeah and because he was born naturally he has free will he wasn't bred to believe in any one specific thing but he still ends up in a good family and is raised with proper beliefs and ends up being a good man which once again even if that eugenics thing nearly makes it even more hopeful and and inspiring in the end actually because he Someone like General Zod was predisposed to not be a bad guy exactly, but to be an antagonistic force. 
whereas Clark could have been anything and he still ended up a good man. So the fact that he had all kinds of possibility and he still ended up being the savior, that, um, yeah, that's pretty inspiring, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. I like that. <laughs> I never really thought about that angle of it before right now. Uh, okay, let's talk about Jonathan Kent a little bit, because I did have a counter okay. to, to defend. So people crap on the Jonathan Played Kent brim- stuff because yeah. he, he didn't tell. Because of the bus thing specifically, oh, should I have let those other kids die? Maybe. He didn't tell Clark to let the other kids die. He says maybe. He doesn't have all the answers. Yeah, because he's conflicted. Have my kid exposed and taken away to who knows where or other people's kids? Maybe let them go. Of course, he knows Clark made the morally right call. And he made that morally right call because that's probably what John and Martha raised him to be like as a person. But as a parent, he realizes that moral righteousness of Clark's is going to put him in danger someday. Whether it's against General Zod or just good old Earth law. It's going to put him in conflict with somebody and maybe have him be hurt or worse, killed, which it does eventually in Batman v Superman. It kind of realizes all of John Kent's worst fears. If he takes up this fight for moral righteousness, it's going to put him on a collision course that'll get him killed eventually. So So John Kent, in a way, was right. But he also... But he also talks him down against fighting the other kids. He says, well, you know, Clark, you can be bitter, but, you know, you can't fight back with these people because you're so much more powerful than them. What's, like, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do? You got to have self-control. So he instilled that wisdom in him from a young age. You do see him give some decent life lessons. I'm having a hard time thinking of a defense for the tornado scene right now i mean it's the same thing it's this (laughs) it's just how much can you buy that it's no you stay here and let the old man go get the dog (laughs) like and don't save me because it'll expose you don't use your super speed or anything once again it's how much can you buy that moment i still personally Mm. i know it's indefensive but i'm gonna talk about it anyway i still prefer the original superman movie where john kent oh, died for up, sure where john kent died of a heart attack because there was literally nothing clark could have done about that all his powers in the world he can't stop the heart attack i mean he could have he could have spun the earth backwards and say hey pa kent maybe cut down on the butter <laughs> well by the time he knew how to spin the earth back it would have been 20 years too late he was he gonna go all the way back to his teen years <laughs> theoretically but yeah. I mean, you never know just I like that he couldn't save him there. There was nothing his powers could have done to save Pock Ant there. But in this one, mm-hmm. it was a little more of an intentional choice. I'm going to let you die because you want to sacrifice yourself right now, which is a little... I'm still on the fence about that one, but I think you can, yeah. you can make it work. That one's a little rough. If you're just like, okay, Clark's being a dutiful son and he'll let him make this sacrifice because he's really insistent on it, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. The performances in this movie, yeah, you're all I... fantastic. Uh, Michael Shannon, Henry Cavill, Russell Crowe, Amy Adams. Uh, yeah, they're all great. They're all great. Like, I don't have a lot of... I literally have no negatives to say about this movie. I really love it. I think it's so good. 
Yeah, most of my negatives are more what does it omit, if anything. Like, mm-hmm. it still pisses me off that in Man of Steel and BVS, we don't get a good Jimmy Olsen. I mean, we do get a Jimmy Olsen, but he gets shot in the face in the first scene of Batman v Superman. Gets capped he's... immediately. He gets, <sighs> he gets capped immediately. That one. I hurt. think there was like a behind. There was like a behind the scenes where uh, Zack Snyder said something like, "Yeah, I didn't really know what to do with Jimmy Olsen, and I knew he was a fan favorite, so I thought he it would be a good good chance to just kill him off right away." Or he says something like that. It's like, "Oh no, Zack, what are you doing? Are we moving into BVS like that?" <laughs> I mean, we can, yeah. I see one of your notes here where it's like the controversial, like, neck snap. Oh, okay, yeah, Christopher right. Reeve killed the... people, too, but... Yeah, that's all I was going to say. Christopher Reeve killed yeah, Zod he, at the Christopher end of Reeve. Superman 2. He threw him down the chasm. Mm-hmm. And people didn't and really care beautiful... about it then, because it was less graphic. I think that scene is beautiful because it shows that Henry Cavill will never do that again. Or at that moment, he realizes, like, what actually taking a life feels to him, and that he will like swear by it to never do it again for as long like if he has no choice like see this he will, is... he will try his best to not kill yeah this is the difference between this is where Zack Snyder's grounded reality comes into play and where the controversies really start I think because you, you get mm-hmm. so you get Superman and you could argue okay yeah in this grounded reality against an opponent of equal might he had to finish the job this time and because he did that, it taught him there's always a, a better way to handle it. And I couldn't do it this time because I didn't have enough control, but I can be better. Okay. And then in the next one, you have Batman, who also lost his way and has been killing people for a long time. And you have Wonder Woman, who is a, you know, she's a warrior by nature. She kills people a lot, too. Uh, like, most of the Justice League kill people. In this universe, mm-hmm. because in Zack Snyder's grounded reality, that fantasy idea of everybody survives in these big power battles, you're going to have, you're going to have to, like, these people can't just fight endlessly. If, you know, you see how much destruction General Zod and Superman have when they fight, and that's just one version of this. If these people are fighting all the time, it has to end eventually. They're not going to end until they've killed each other most of the time in a grounded reality. So I understand Zack Snyder's point of view there. It doesn't, you know, the comic book purist in me prefers the more generally optimistic outlook that the heroes can talk people down, come back as arch enemies later, whatever, keep going on that back and forth. But I, I get it. There's an argument to be made for it that killing well do you want to go into something more upbeat (laughs) or do you want to go into more downtrend of emotions into batman v superman Superman. (laughs) yeah so far the the best defenses i'm saying i'm saying like i don't necessarily agree with them but you can argue why they were this one this one's tough for me because i have such a love hate or like hate relationship with batman v superman because I didn't like it when it first came out, and then I watched the Ultimate Edition, and I was like, okay, it's a little better. I thought it was a lot better. It was. There's paced. a few things I really hate in this movie, though. It was paced considerably better. It, by, by the way, yeah, mm-hmm. let's, just, let's just make a PSA here. If you're going to watch Batman v Superman and you haven't before, 
watch the Ultimate Edition. It's the definitive way to watch the movie. If you yeah. have seen BVS and you hate BVS, you're still going to hate it. If you have seen it and you were a little more, eh, that could have been better. Watch the Ultimate mm-hmm. Cut. It'll definitely improve your opinion. It gives um, it gives Amy Adams' character something to do. Well, yeah, it gave her that in- movie. It gave her that entire investigative angle where she finds out Lex Luthor mm-hmm. was basically plotting the public outcry against Superman by framing him to, I don't remember exactly what it was, that he killed a general or something. Basically, it was trying he, to make uh, Superman... It was the terror, like the killed a bunch of like citizens, like at the very beginning where Jimmy Olsen yeah. gets shot and then they burn a bunch of bodies trying to um, like blame him for that. But then... They realize, wait a minute, Superman doesn't use bullets? Where does this bullet come from? I think what happened was they shot them all and then burned them alive. Burned them. To, yeah. to burn the bodies to make it look like a heat vision attack, but they hid the bullets. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting yeah, angle to take. still in, yeah. They cut the it out of the theatrical the movie, but it made, it made a lot of the movie make no sense when you took mm-hmm. that out. Because Lois's investigation kind of went nowhere. That was part of Lex's master plan. That was what turned yeah. everyone against Superman in the Senate hearings. And then he blew up the Capitol building later. Mm-hmm. One, uh, one thing, I don't want to go too much into negatives because this is a, in defense. I really go into love... Go the negatives, try to see if we can defend it. Yeah, I really love uh, Ben Affleck's take on Bruce Wayne and, uh, yes. and Batman. Yes. It's this older version of Batman. He's tired. He's grumpy most of the time. And there's a great moment where um, when he's at the Lex Luthor party and uh, he's pretending to be drunk wherever he's like, oh, I got lost. I'm in the bathroom. And then he's like, don't worry, I'll meet you up there. And then she's walking away. Bruce Wayne has a smile. And as soon as she turns the corner, he's like, <sighs> like, that's such a brilliant, like, acting moment for me. Because he's just because Bruce yes, Wayne does yeah. not, or he does not give a shit about being Bruce Wayne anymore, and he's still trying to put on that persona even when I think Gal Gadot walks by and he goes, "Pretty girl, bad habit," like still trying to put on that persona, but he's just he wants to be Batman full time, and I yeah I think he was definitely the biggest concern going into this movie, but came out being one of the best things about this movie, and the you know there was the defense like, with- oh he doesn't. He doesn't kill anybody, but he murders so many people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he murders so many people in this. Yeah, and I mean, I I hate saying we'll get to it, but that is part of the arc for Zack Snyder's Justice League is that he, this is a Batman who has been beaten down by 20 years of crime fighting. He's lost Robin. He broke his own rules many years ago. He kills a lot of people now because he's he's just sick and tired of the crime and he doesn't really follow his own codes anymore he's a shell of his former self so then by the end of this movie superman inspires him to be a better person again to he sees superman lead by example and superman learned his lesson as well from not killing one person but he sees superman selflessly save people always find another way Superman doesn't kill all his criminals, even though he has the power to. He doesn't take it upon himself to do, to be judge, jury, and executioner. And Batman sees this example after he finally realizes Superman's not a threat at the end of the movie, and he sacrifices himself. But 
Batman sees, okay, well, I've been misguided for a long time. And it's part of the trajectory of hope. This trilogy yeah. is all is about the trajectory of hope. The Man of Steel is, the world is kind of in a dark place. Superman saves the world, but leveling Metropolis creates a whole whack of problems. This is the dark chat. Like every trilogy needs the dark chapter in the middle. This is the halfway point. This is the darkest part of it. This is mm -hmm. completely about the consequences of Man of Steel. They leveled Metropolis. What are the consequences of that? People, half the world thinks Superman's a menace. Half of them think he's our savior. Some people look up to him as a religious deity. And what is he really? Just a guy who wants to help. But not a lot of people know mm -hmm. that. So Batman being paranoid Batman that he is thinks, you know, if there's even a 1% chance this guy is our enemy, we have to take it as an absolute certainty. Because you can't afford not to when there's this all-powerful alien. Two of them leveled Metropolis. This guy is powerful enough to do that to the whole world by himself if he chose to. And Batman just doesn't know. Batman saw firsthand the destruction this guy caused. He destroyed a Wayne Enterprises building, killed his friend in the opening scene. Batman has no reason to trust Superman won't be as bad as Zod one day. Mm-hmm. Does he... I think I... Yeah. I just think, like, the problem at the time when this was released, people had a lot of problems with this movie is because... Yes, we want to see Batman v Superman, but this particular version, uh, version, this is not why we wanted to see it. Because yeah. based off the Frank Miller stuff, Superman was just a soldier for the United States government. Which I didn't hate. want to fight. Didn't want to fight uh, Batman. Um, just being a poster boy, and Batman was just so done with the government, and basically just saying like, I don't want to fight you either. But if you do come at me, like, may the best man win. Yeah. And then there's that whole speech at the end, which is probably the most one of the most iconic speeches in comic book uh, history. Remember so when you come at this, where come, it's my hand on your throat, remember the man who beat you, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so when you come in this movie, and the motives are Batman is scared of Superman, and Superman just Superman's makes a bit more sense where Lex Luthor manipulates him into just killing the bat to save his mom. Where Batman's motive is just to, well, he's got a 1% chance of going evil, so I might as well just kill him. Where you can argue, Batman has like an 85% chance of going evil, so he should die. So I understand why there was a lot of criticisms for that at the time, and I agree with them. But for this world and this story and how it's structured, I can understand how it's, how like I said, like these huge... motives happen. A huge thing, like I said, for Man of Steel is you kind of have to take this as a what-if world. Does it? And I think Zack Snyder's movies work... This trilogy works very well as a what-if story for the Justice League. This is not a fantastic one-to-one -one adaptation of DC's world from the comics. It's way too dark, self-serious, not hopeful enough. The characters aren't idealized, idealistic enough versions of the heroes that we know and love. And I think that's part of the reason this universe gets shot on so much is because unlike Marvel, you knew these characters already. You know what a good Batman's like. You know what a good Superman's like. So to have them in this story 
which to be clear, I think it's a decent story, like you were saying. On its own merits, I think it works. But when you watch this movie, expecting Batman and Superman to act a certain way, it feels a little weird. But I'm trying to judge it as a movie here, not necessarily mm-hmm. as a, as a, you know, the DC fan in me likes it too as a what-if take. This is not what I wanted to see the DC universe. I think universe people just really want it. Yeah, exactly. People want to see yeah. what the actual DC universe is. But, yeah. you know, if people complain, just watch the animated universe or the new 52 yeah. animated universe that they did. Yeah. Uh, which I haven't watched, but I've heard decent things about it. And that's the thing. My appreciation for Man of Steel and Batman v Superman skyrocketed when I started seeing this as a standalone trilogy. Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Zack Snyder's Justice League. It tells its own story. It's a compelling story. It's got, uh, it's got a consistent through line about, uh, you know, like the the onset of hope, and then the end of Batman v Superman. Hope is gone when Superman gets killed, and then in Zack Snyder's Justice League, hope rises again. Everybody learns from Superman's sacrifice at the end of Batman v Superman. They come together. But it's, so as, as a trilogy, it's very thematically linked and tells this crescendoing story about heroism getting more like the DC universe we know in this world. But once again, can you stomach, it's a how they got their story. This is how Superman became Superman. The clue is in the title, Man of Steel. This isn't a Superman movie. This is a story about a guy who, with invulnerability superpowers, who later becomes Superman. He's got all the iconography of Superman, but he's not Superman yet. He's a man of steel who has to earn that role as an icon. And that's what this whole trilogy is about, because he does earn it by the end of Justice League fully. Yeah. Uh, Let's get into the most controversial bit, because it's just on my, the next thing I see on my list here. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Let's tackle this. It's bad. It's a bad Lex Luthor. I can't defend this. He okay. plays a good villain. He doesn't play a good Lex Luthor. And that's He plays more yeah. he plays more depicted like he's the Riddler or Joker. Yeah, I see that. And that's basically what my entire rant was about. I'm going to link it back to that. He's an interesting villain. If you're just watching a movie, I think he's pretty memorable. Actually, his mannerisms are really psychotic and weird. And he's... When, he, when he shoved that Jolly Rancher into a senator's mouth? Yeah, he's off-putting, <laughs> he's off-putting and interesting to watch. Is he Lex Luthor as I know him? No. Not really. But that's also me bringing my own preconceived notions into the movie. It doesn't mean the movie's bad or that Jesse Eisenberg's performance is bad. It just means this is not what I wanted Lex Luthor to be. Is not a good adaptation of Lex Luthor. But, you know, try to judge it on its own merits. And I think it's a lot more improved that way. And yeah. that's really the, be- that's the best defense I can give that. It's, you know. It really is because you, when you think of Lex Luthor, you think of this stoic, like, man with a booming voice who's just trying to take on Superman because he's just a little bit jealous and he always gets into his corporate schemes. And then you get into this... You come into this movie, it's like this little sneveling guy who plays basketball and, uh, you know, he's talks about how gods are like 
gods and versus man or whatever. And he wants to just be this, you know, mega villain that destroys God. And it's just kind of like, did you have to call him Lex Luthor? So I understand, like, again, the motives for Lex being a villain are pretty decent, but also, I just hate that they called him Lex Luthor. I mean, at his core, he is there. That hubris, that one of the most brilliant men in the world wants to be the guy who takes down God. That, yeah, on paper, like, is Lex Luthor to me. I know, I, I, yeah, that's true, but it's just the portrayal of it and his mannerisms yeah. and his, the way he goes about it, it's very different. That he's basically the Mark next Zuckerberg thing on your list. Of... Yeah, the next thing on your list I find way more insulting than Lex Luthor is how Doomsday is created. It's a mixture of Kryptonian blood and Lex Luthor, which, if you think about it, is the exact same as Nuclear Man from Superman 4. I'm pretty sure that's how he was created back in the day. Actually, yeah. And... You're right. So, here's the thing about Doomsday. Here's how it's supposed to be. In the comics, I don't know how it is in the animated universe, in the comics, he's a cloned person from thousands of dead babies because this mad scientist wanted to create the ultimate killing machine and throw whatever until and then cloned it a thousand times until it was indestructible beyond anything comprehension and then that doomsday killed the scientist ended up somewhere in space headed for earth eventually murders a bunch of people including booster gold <laughs> and then uh and then Superman and him fight. It's an epic battle. Most of it, I think, is at night, which makes sense because uh, Superman is solar paneled, paneled, powered. I'm the, ugh, I'm off today, and uh, it's an amazing fight. Those those two duke it out. They both kill each other, and they go both charge at each other with one big final punch, and they both knock each other out, and it's beautiful. Here, <laughs> he's born from. The body of Zod and a few drops of blood of Lex Luthor, and for some reason he becomes a electromagnetic pulse with every hit he gets from either nukes or electricity, he gains more power, and I think even they say something Zack Snyder tweeted something in a like a tweet after the movie came out. That's not technically doomsday, but in the movie Lex Luthor says, This is your doomsday. So I'm going to take from what the movie said and not a tweet. And yeah, yeah you can you can say the de uh, the death of Superman is done well in this world where he's he's charging at Doomsday with the kryptonite spear. Doing the ultimate sacrifice, knowing he might not make out of it because that's just the right thing to do. And before I guess we can touch on it later. So th this is why I went into this movie and I really. Also, the trailer for this got spoiled the entire movie. Like, the second trailer where they revealed Doomsday. It, oh, yeah. literally, it literally showed you all the three acts. So you were just... There was so much shitstorm online about it. You were like, they really put in Doomsday? That trailer wow, is why okay. I don't really watch trailers anymore. That's the trailer mm -hmm. that ruined trailers wow. for me. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, I can't really defend this Doomsday. Because to me, he's supposed to be this towering disgusting evil alien that poses a ginormous threat and you understand why he <laughs> performs a threat and to have it be in this movie and his origin be 
Zod's body and a few drops of Lex Luthor blood doesn't really make that much sense to me. Yeah, I'm not going to defend how Doomsday was created. What I will try to defend is the circumstances around it and the consequences of it. I like that in this battle, because it's the body of Zod, it's kind of like a Man of Steel repeat all over again. You have this thing that can go toe-to-toe with Superman, but this time they learn from their mistakes. They cleared out the area. They're like, okay, we're going to go to a place where nobody is, so they're being better (laughs) heroes already. They learn... We cleared out downtown! Superman... (laughs) In the middle of the night. Yeah, Clark learned his lesson from the first time. He's like, go to somewhere... I don't know if they learned that lesson or they were just written in lines. (laughs) If I'm going to be honest, because there's so much bad glass from Man of Steel. Yeah, but they're fighting in a a vacant... In a vacant... (laughs) Vacant part of town. I mean, that's always what they... I'm going to say they... Also, Metropolis and Gotham City are across the bay, apparently. (laughs) Apparently that's a thing. You can see the other city. (laughs) That's funny. I'm going to say they learned their lesson and separated. So that's that's one thing. Second thing, he has friends now. He he fought Batman. He, He doesn't even know who Wonder Woman is, but he's willing to teamwork with people for this common threat. Third thing, in... Man of Steel, he was kind of not reluctant to fight, but he didn't really know what he was doing still. And he didn't really know what his, I think he he just thought his goal was to stop this thing. And so then in the end, he had to kill Zod. And in this one, he's willing to not just, he wants to kill the creature, this unnatural beast to save the world, but he's also willing to self-sacrifice this time, which also shows some character growth. Because he's, the first time, I don't know if he was really willing to self-sacrifice because he was probably confident enough that he could make it out, most of it, mostly. He was never really in a position where he had to face his mortality in Man of Steel. But in BBS, he's finally in a place where he's like, okay, the only way I'm going to beat this thing, it's not like General Zod where the only way, like, the the bad decision I had to make there was whether to kill him. Now the bad decision is, do I kill myself too? And he says yes, not really hesitating even. He takes the spear and he dies along with Doomsday. And to me, the aftermath got me at the time. You know, seeing everybody in mourning and the big societal celebration for superman with the statue in the in the black grave like in the comic book that got me but what got me more was seeing the private funeral in smallville with his family mhm that was a great moment there yeah it's just a crazy thing where it's like i don't know if we want to transition to it right away but the where you see a little bit right before the film ends, you see the dirt rising from yes. the from the casket. But then they just have to revive him anyway in this in in Justice League, so the dirt rising doesn't really that make much sense. Anyway. Not really. Um let's talk about the actual <laughs> fight though. The actual Batman v Superman fight. I think it's okay. I don't think it's amazing. I think for some of the moves though, there are some like great moments in it where it's um Batman is punching Superman and then he's slowly coming out of the haze from the kryptonite smoke and he just stands still and Batman's like, 
Oh, <laughs> there's that as well. I think Gal, uh, Gal Gadot's introduction as Wonder Woman, first time you see her in the suit, is is amazing. I think I she blocks the she blocks the Doomsday Blast, and then she comes back out of the shield just, and then you hear her theme where it's like da na 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 na, like just a great. That's just a great movie moment. And then she just charged Full's head at Doomsday. Well, before that, they go, "Is she with you?" I thought she was with you. <laughs> like, I got a funny a story. Moment. I got my funny story about my brother in that moment. He hadn't watched any of the trailers for Batman v Superman. Mm. So as he's going in the movie, he has no idea who Gal Gadot's character is. He's just kind of taking it verbatim. And then when she shows up in the costume at the end, he's like, what? She was, she was Wonder Woman the whole time? Wow, that's actually shocking. And I'm like, yeah, Luke, that's why you don't watch trailers. You taught me, like, that terrible trailer and Luke's experience taught me trailers are bad. <laughs> like, I want a moment like that <laughs> where I didn't know that was Wonder Woman going in. I didn't see any promotional images. And, like, that's why I get jealous of people sometimes because I'm too involved in the mm-hmm. media. I know. I saw the promotional images of her in the costume way before. I watched the trailers. I know the casting news. Guys like my brother and my parents don't know stuff. Yeah. Because they just experience it's funny. It. It's funny when you bring that up and then, like, you watch some of your parents and you're like, oh, they're in it? And you're just kind of like, it's like the second person on the poster. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you're kind of shocked about stuff that they don't know. But again, they don't watch a lot of stuff. Yeah. So seeing these kind of things with people like that, it's even more fun. Like, oh, wow, that's Wonder Woman. I had no idea she was in this movie at all. So it feels like more of a twist mm-hmm. if, uh, if you're not a nerd, it, not as much of a nerd, and don't <laughs> follow everything all the time. Uh, yeah. What about Save Martha? So at the time, I didn't really have a problem with it. I thought it was actually a unique twist. It actually made me realize that both of their mom's names was martha because i never put that together myself yeah and um i also love the little cameos for jeffrey dean morgan and uh laura cohen who are both from the walking dead playing um uh thomas wayne and martha wayne i thought that was kind of funny um but i think i think it's it's decent and it shows like in this universe it makes sense because it shows batman that oh Superman isn't just this un- like uncontrolled rage killing mach- machine. He's a person who has a mother and has this actual life. So, I yeah. I'm not too hung out on it as other people are. It's very memeable though. My take is basically just good idea, weird execution. Mm-hmm. I I agree with you there. I like the idea that Batman calms down when he realizes he and Superman have a commonality. They both have mothers named Martha. He, like, my mother's dead, but he has a mother out there somewhere still, probably worried about mm-hmm. him, would be sad if I killed him. He's not really that bad. I'm just being paranoid. Like, there's a lot going through his head that isn't necessarily executed that great in, like, mm-hmm. com- communicated to the audience. But that is, there's I think, great, what he's thinking. Yeah, there's a great video um, or a great review with Nostalgia Critic, and they do they do like a play by play of that scene, and he's like, he's like, what do you say? He's like, save Marva. Oh my god, my mom's still alive. It's like, no, you idiot. 
The best breakdown I've seen of that scene was by the channel Cinema Wins. I haven't watched it in years, but I remember being impressed with his take on this scene. Mm. Is that like the off-brand Cinema Sins? They're better. I prefer Cinema Do you think they can sue him? Are they the same company or is... (laughs) No, it's it's different, but I prefer Cinema Wins by a mile. Is it not in the same style, though? Oh, it's exactly the same style. It's like, it's a blatant ripoff, but the idea is that he mm. wins movies. He talks only positive about movies instead of looking No, I for... get that. I'm just wondering if there, I'm just wondering if there's a lawsuit there. <laughs> if there's a lawsuit there at all. I think because they have different things. Cinema Sins is a nitpicker. Cinema Wins likes the positivity. Their branding is so clearly different that even though they're doing the exact same shit, like edited very similarly too, they're distinctly different. So I think, mm. I, I don't know. But I, I recommend him. He always makes me feel good about movies, even movies that I'm a little on the fence about. I always find great takes by him in those. He's, he's very good. The positivity is nicer than the nitpick. I haven't watched Cinema Sins in years, but I watch Cinema Wins consistently. Because it just makes me feel good about Interesting. movies. And he had a good take on BVS was my point. So, yeah, BVS, that's the dark middle chapter of Zack Snyder's trilogy. It's Mm -hmm. got a lot of interesting ideas. I I like Clark investigating into the Batman vigilantism as well, realizing, in the ultimate cut, realizing that this Batman vigilante has gone very far over the years. He's kind of a public menace. He's... Probably somebody who should be taken down nearly villain-esque. And Batman's parent... Like, they do build up the reason for the conflict better. Oh, yeah, and one of the best Batman scenes of all time in this one as well. The the warehouse fight scene. Oh, the warehouse. Yeah, yeah. It's very good. Yeah. So... I don't know if we defended this one fantastically, because it is probably the weakest of this trilogy. It's it's a tough one for sure. I don't think it's even it's bad. I don't think it's bad. It's it's definitely not bad. I just I'm not even that over the moon about it when I'm defending it because it's I'm somewhere like, it's in the middle. Okay. I'm like it's just okay. Yeah, like it's it's the best I can say about it. My whole point that I'm trying to get across is it's not as bad as people make it out to be. I'm not saying it's a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I especially it's not like as, it. It's not yeah. as bad as Justice League 2017. I'll give it that. Yeah, because BVS actually had a vision. <laughs> Zack Snyder yeah. clearly had a story he wanted to tell with BVS, even if it didn't get executed mm-hmm. as good as it ought to have been. And I think that's really the thing about Zack Snyder, is that he's a great uh, director, less so a storyteller. His visual style yeah. is brilliant, but if he doesn't have a great script to start with, is a little bit, you know, just flailing in the water sometimes mm-hmm. oh yeah another great thing about this movie I, for, I nearly forgot the dynamic between ben affleck and jeremy irons is my favorite alfred batman dynamic oh yeah they're this movie good. gave us that i love how they're basically equals at this point they're long past the yeah. oh master bruce do you sure you want to do this and they're just like partners alfred mm-hmm. does his how stuff. the f- how old is fucking alfred He's got to be ancient, man. He's older just like than in ben every Affleck. media he shows up. 
Yeah, yeah it's crazy. But I also like Ben Affleck playing this weathered version of Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Who's just seen Jeremy too much Irons, crap. Yeah. Jeremy Irons is very good. especially He's also pretty good in that Watchmen show, if you ever watched it on HBO. Yeah, it's awesome. He's very good in that. Yeah. Very good. Very good actor. Yeah. I'm a fan of that show. I do like Watchmen stuff. Uh, I thought I, there was going to be a season two, but I, I don't really remember. Maybe it didn't get renewed. I don't know. Watchmen season two. Uh, da, 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 da. Will there be? Isn't interesting in continuing it. Hmm. Okay. It will not be returning. That's interesting. Because uh, I know, I just know there was like a cliffhanger, but like, you don't, it doesn't really need a second season. No. Um, okay, so yeah, we'll, was good. maybe we'll talk. Maybe we'll double back to BBS a bit if we think of good ways it ties in for Zack Snyder's Justice League. But yeah, like I said before, it's the it's the dark middle chapter in it. It's where mm-hmm. everyone hits their lowest point before they can rise to new heights in Zack Snyder's Justice League. The biggest takeaway of this movie is Superman's sacrifice inspired everyone to do better and finally be more like the heroes they were always meant to be. So Zack Snyder's Justice mm-hmm. League, Hope Returns, culminates the three-film arc. To me, these movies are about how Superman saved the world, continued to protect it despite opposition, and how his selflessness inspired others to take up the mantle after he died. And Zack Snyder's Justice League is this culmination, I think, is the best film in the trilogy, personally. Yeah. It's the most... It's hard, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to like say it's not if it's when it's over like four hours, and it's just so much love and passion put into this single project to make the ultimate um, team up superhero movie. Not just passion from the director and the crew, but from the fans too. This movie would not have happened yeah. if the fans hadn't willed it into existence. Insane! It's insane. Uh, there's never been a point in movie history where you can watch a movie that is that was. Uh, made in a certain year and then remade again a couple years later back to back compare shots compare storylines like that's insane it was all done by the fans so what i think was most nuts about this was there have been kind of things like that like even going to dc richard donner i mean like yeah there's like there's director's cuts but this is different this is different because they actually like, got a seventy a million dollar director. budget. Yeah, they got a seventy million yeah. dollar budget to actually finish the movie years after the fact. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a director's cut of cobbled together clips they had. They actually finished the movie. Yeah, with special effects and everything. It wasn't just composite it's not shots. Like a, and like it's not like yeah. an original trilogy thing where George Lucas went back and touched up shots or added in shots. This is like. This is Zack Snyder going back to his original vision and actually executing it instead of having just the Josh Whedon come in and c- complete a completely different movie. This is, in, in some ways, this is a remake of a movie more than just a director's yeah. cut. Well, the, the funny thing is the first time I watched it, I was a little bit disappointed just because the story was basically the exact same and there were a lot of scenes I recognized. But then I'm also like... Yeah, but I like the story way more mm, now that yeah, it's fleshed out. Better. And every scene that I remember is either better in this context or was clearly directed by Zack Snyder the first mm-hmm. time. 
and just put in a worse context. And I'm like, yeah. it's just better. Like, I was disappointed I didn't get more the, new out of it, but I was also mm. like, everything here is just better, so. The motives are much better. The characters are way better. Even some of the action, like, Quarter uh, Digital does a great breakdown of it, where um, when Steppenwolf is, first appears against the Amazons, you actually see them do the full stunt where they hit against the wall and land on the ground, where yeah. in the Weeding Cut, it's just them hitting the wall. Or when you see... um. Uh, the Queen Amazon running off with the box. You actually see the full swing of the Amazons breaking the box. Like, everything has intent with this shot. It's not just, like, a quick edit. Because I think Zack Snyder is fascinated by the human body and how strong it can be and its form and the physique. And there's some intent with it. And with the Snyder Cut, particularly there, after they knock the pillars down, the whole thing collapses into the sea. And it's a perfect cg creation of what would happen if that happened it's dramatic like oh my god we just trapped steppenwolf in here but also like hundreds of our our of our soldiers in there just willing to die to protect this mother box what happens in the josh Whedon cut they knock the pillars down and steppenwolf just breaks through the wall that's what happens in the Whedon cut so they're like all that build up dramatic like build up to break the pillars means nothing or that's so just little stuff the there or that bit in, uh, let's say, later on when Superman's revived and he he fights the whole Justice League. In the weeding cut, Steppenwolf just steals the mother box after they're too distracted yeah. fighting. But in this one, they go to Star Labs. They're, Silas has this whole heroic sacrifice. Cyborg's father has this mm -hmm. whole heroic sacrifice trying to uh, mark the mother box, I think it was, before Steppenwolf can get it. There's like there's a whole scene after that when Steppenwolf fights to get the mother box. It's uh, so it, there's one thing I know it's a bit memeable, but the one thing I liked about the weeding cut, uh, weeding cut is when um, face, Superman CGI like. Face. No, I hate that. But when Superman picks up Batman and, he's, and he asks him, "Do you bleed?" I thought that was an interesting callback. That was a good. But that I, was I, good. I thought that I thought that was a Snyder thing, but I guess it was, and I was like, "Oh, that was the one thing I was missing." And another thing people liked in the Whedon uh, cut was when um, Flash is afraid of fighting and Batman just is like just says to him, just save one. Just save one person and see what happens there when they're first um, together against the parademons. What's but he that's doing not in the Snyder cut. What's he doing in the Snyder cut again? I don't remember. I think he's, he's like... He's still afraid of fighting, but he's, he's not, he still goes to save the people. There's not like a... I don't think I don't I don't remember if there's really a pep talk for Batman or not. I think if I remember what happens, Flash isn't really that hesitant in the first place. He wants to save the people. He's mm. just not that. He just doesn't. He's more afraid of his combat prowess. So if I remember yeah. Flash being more badass in that scene in the Snyder cut. He did a mm. lot more than just save people. He was actually like carrying the like he was the mm. main support member of that crew in that scene yeah how do you feel about the four three aspect ratio uh i was going to bring that up when you talked about Zack snyder's fascination with the human form i think from what i understand this was his intent here because the four by three sort of squishes the screen into a more vertical ratio which mm -hmm. the way he films this is very much Zack snyder i've always loves preferred the full screen Right. 
Zack Snyder loves the um, poses. He loves when people, the way people move their poses, and like he, he makes it look like it's coming out of a comic book. And this 4 by 3 aspect mm-hmm. ratio makes everything look taller, larger than life. When you see these heroes in the 4 by 3 they feel, they look taller. They look more heroic doing everything they're doing. Just something about that aspect ratio makes it feel more mm-hmm. superheroic than most other superhero movies. Just from the aspect ratio, it really creates a, a mental change in your mind. It's, yeah. I agree. It was it was pretty distracting at the time, but then at first, uh, I got I, I got used to it. And I've I've actually, funny enough, I've watched Snyder Cut twice. Yeah. Um, one one not recently, but uh. I almost kind of want to rewatch it again because we've just been talking about it and I actually really like the Snyder Cut. But there's also like a black and white version, but I don't know if I want to watch that version because I kind of like the, I kind of like the muted colors here. That's another big difference here. In the Josh Whedon Cut, the color palette is like cranked up to 11. Like the saturation is off the charts. And here it's more toned down. It's more grounded in that Snyder universe. It looks really good. Part of me kind of like the saturation just from seeing the Flash's costume because I think it's a yeah. well-made costume. But to set it in this universe, it's really well done. Personally, I think it could have used a bit more balance. I think this is the most bright of the trilogy. Like Batman v Superman was especially saturated and like desaturated mm. to show how dark that movie was. Zack Snyder's Justice League, I think, had the most colors popping, which once again is part of the point. It's the most hopeful of the trilogy. But it, I think it could have used just a little bit more. You didn't need that full-on Joss Whedon desat saturation of it, but it, it could have used more to really hammer home that point because of of the hope. Because when I was watching it, I'm like, okay, I get what you're going for, and I do feel it, but I'd feel it more if it wasn't so desaturated. Still, and I know that's your style, right. but. So that was one thing I have a tough time defending, but it is still more saturated than his other movies, which does help. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that this movie was paced into chapters. It helped. It helps break it up. Not into a four-hour cut. Just watch a couple chapters at a time. Yeah. I think the first time I did it, I took a break around chapter three and four because i then i just like went out went to the gym but then i instantly re uh, picked right back up on it yeah but i, but I love that it's divided into chapters to help you out just to be like it's not meant to be a, like who's gonna sit in a four and a half hour movie you know yeah and if i remember the first and last chapters were my least favorite because the first the first really? chapter the first chapter I remember taking a long time to get going. It was mostly just landscape shots, and I was like, "Okay." I was. Sh- I'm shocked you said the last chapter. Isn't the last chapter with the final fight? I think the last chapter was the one that was just all set up for the movie that's never going to happen. Oh, I think you mean the epilogue. Is technically the sorry. Last I thought you one. meant yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. I thought Which... you meant like chapter six, like before the final fight. But Which yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I didn't like. I didn't like the epilogue. I'll defend that too, though, because I thought it was, there was a lot of cool stuff in there. I like seeing Martian Manhunter show up and talk to Batman in the, mm-hmm. in the epilogue. I like the, you know, the nightmare a stuff. A CG, but that's okay. 
little wonky. Well, it's clearly one of the ones they didn't finish. I like the. So here's here's the thing that I love about the Snyderverse is that we actually get to see Darkseid. We actually see him be an imposing villain. Yeah. Um, especially that flashback is really cool. Yeah. Kills that Green Lantern brutally. I love that. Um, they're not a focal point, but you see the Greek gods in it as well, like their version of the Greek gods. You see Ares. You see Zeus. Yes. Um. Also, you see, and also Steppenwolf becomes a much better villain in this. Not just yes. from his look, but as a character as a whole, you because feel you sort of feel for him. He's been, mm-hmm. he's a guy who's been outcast from his family, and he just wants to get back home. And what I like about him is that he doesn't kill people indiscriminately. He pretty much only kills people who really get in his way. He lets a lot yeah. of people go. Like he's not just out to slaughter them all. He's very single-minded in his objective. Which now that I'm thinking about it, is a great parallel to the heroes because he's just a guy who's trying to get back to his family and and go home and the justice league are also very much like that they are all broken people who come from broken homes or have been estranged from their families in some way and they're all kind of just trying to make it as a lone wolf here or and get back home or survive on their own and then the justice league comes together as this found family with common ideals and they all help each other heal and become better heroes by the end and that's what i really love about this movie is that it's it does the found family thing really well it felt organic the first time i watched it and once again it's got that i keep saying hope is the word of the day (laughs) But it's got that uh, that feeling that the other movies didn't really have in the trilogy. This is finally mm-hmm. the point where, oh, other heroes can be friends now. We're past the paranoia stage of the other heroes maybe being there to destroy the world. We've seen mm-hmm. the goodness and we're tired of all working alone. Wonder Woman's been alone for 100 years. Batman's been alone for 20 besides like after Robin died ever since, well, he's just got Alfred. Superman worked alone, but he always wanted other friends. And now the Justice League is like Flash has worked alone. His dad's in prison. Cyborg's dad turned him into not a monster exactly, but he deformed him without his permission. And mm-hmm. he's kind of, you know, estranged from that. Aquaman's okay with his dad, but his mom abandoned him as a child. They've all got familial issues, just like Steppenwolf. But they come together and be better than the sum of their parts, where Steppenwolf continues as that lone wolf and suffers the consequences for it by taking out his misery on everybody. Yeah, it's it's very hopeful. And I love when um right before they revive Superman, there the, and there's that buildup, it's like there's only one person that can do it. And it's so different from the weeding cut where there's this beautiful musical score where you don't fully see superman yet but you see the cape and his boots and it's just surrounding the people to get their reaction and yeah yeah it's just like what hope still like exists here and i love that um is it ray fisher that's the actor's name yep i love that he like actually gets like a storyline here and i think you know the the gotham uh Gotham football scene is really well done. How he just pulled off this 
amazing feat, which some pro NFLers can't do. And his dad's not there. And from someone who's played sports and you've had like a really good game, obviously not as important as this. And like your parents aren't there because they have worker stuff. It does. So I felt like uh, I was sympathize with him in this moment, but not to say my parents didn't show up a lot. They showed up most of the time, but the times that they didn't. Yeah. And of course, those are the ones you had really good games kind of sucked. But yeah. they, of course, they've been always super supportive. So I've sympathized with them there. That they was like, oh my god, he didn't see like the best play ever. And then the way he tries to help him is in the only way he knows how is turning him into this cybernetic being because that's his uh, work of area. And then you actually get a great descriptive of what Cyborg's powers are and what he can actually do. Like he can, he has the best power I think ever, where he can take money from the bank and give it to poor people. <laughs> that was I a think great. That's sequence. the best super. That's a that's a that's a great moment to showcase his superpowers, but also to showcase the type of person that he is. I think because that's he, and the fact that that got. Yeah. I I don't know if that got cut or if that's a reshoot for the Snyder cut, but the if that got cut for the Whedon version, that just sucks. That's terrible. Well, the Whedon version famously like. If you look at the weeding cut, Cyborg's mostly just a supporting character in the movie. He's in it just a little bit. In the yeah. Zack Snyder's Justice League cut, he's the main character of the movie. Mm. Which tells you everything it, you need to so know good. right there. Cyborg's story is the focal point of this whole movie. It's his relationship with his father and, mm -hmm. and finding this family of other misfits like him. And learning to be a hero with the shitty hand he's been dealt. He got really screwed up in that car crash and he spends a lot of time moping about <laughs> it. And then he realizes, you know, I could, I could use, my dad did this to me and I don't like that. And I feel like I'm a monster, but I don't have to be. I'm, I see what actual monsters in the world are like, and I could be better than that. I could work with these people and, really make a difference here with what I have to offer. Man, I want to watch this movie again. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I really think it's one of Zack Snyder's best movies he's ever done. It's one of the few that mm -hmm. leaves me feeling really good after the fact. Like, mm -hmm. like Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. Once again, if we're looking as a, as a trilogy, they both kind of end on downers in a way. Yeah. But it's also to build up to this point where this is this a feel-good conclusion. Yeah. Epic is a great word I think for it. It's before we get into uh, Superman coming back, I just want to touch on yeah. Steppenwolf one more time about his quote-unquote redesign. Because technically, this version we see in Snyder Cut is the original version, mm -hmm. but the weeding cut is the new version. So the way you try to phrase it, it's like, no, this is the old version, but it's not the old, or this is the new version, but it's actually the old version. And the fact that... The Whedon one, he just looks like a dude in a helmet. It's That's literally what he looks like. It's, it's very generic, generic. Like it's like what your dad would wear to a D and D event. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Just like basic helmet, basic armor. In the Snyder cut, he's got this intricate armor Living that armor. you know, yeah, lives armor. There's every every part of his being, uh, like every part of his body is just covered in this beautiful pattern it's shiny there's there's motive bef behind every part and he takes he like he puts the armor down when he sees dark side great like great uh 
scenes in that where you see how imposing Darkseid is, and it's a great moment near the end, which we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. But I just think they actually made, um, like, in the Snyderverse, they made an excellent villain, and I just, I love that they were able to do that. But we should go into Superman. Yeah, Superman. Unless uh, you have more to say. I got, I got more to say on other stuff, but we can get to it later. Uh, okay. Yeah, Superman. Uh, yeah, Henry Cavill comes through as my man crush again. Uh, just perfection in every <laughs> way. Uh, yeah. When he dons that black suit, man. And yeah. I, I read a thing where it wasn't actually a black suit. They just went in and uh, decolorized it. But man, that, he looks good in that the, black suit. I think it was the opposite that happened. I think it no, was, I'm pretty sure they decolorized it. I think what happened was sure. it was. I thought what happened was it was a black suit, and then in the Whedon version they colorized it. Hold on, let me look this up. Yeah, okay. Uh, but yeah, Henry Cavill, uh, perfection in human form, uh, real life mm-hmm. Superman. I see. I look at him on the screen, and I I don't see an actor. I just see Superman. He uh. Got a raw deal, not getting to be in more movies. Uh, you know what? I'm 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 a little bit I'm sad by it, obviously, but I'm also kind of okay with that because the Zack Snyder trilogy from Man of Steel, the Zack Snyder's Justice League, is really at the end of the day a Superman trilogy about, as yeah. I said, his impact on the world from his origin story to his death to his rebirth. This is a Superman trilogy that just happens to star other DC characters, and I think it's a great Superman trilogy. And mm-hmm. Henry Cavill may be done with the role, but I'm glad he got his trilogy. Hopefully not. Yeah. Hopefully not. Oh, I'm sure he'll be I, back I, I'm in, glad. Like a, in a No Way Home sort of scenario 20 mm. years from now. Yeah. He's not, he's not going to be done forever, ever, but... Oh, God, let's hope not 20. <laughs> let's hope not 20. <laughs> but I'm excited to see what they do with Superman after this. Zack Snyder got to tell his story, so... Mm. What I really like, and it says here um, through an interview, uh, Zack Snyder said it was completely... It was a uh, black suit given to Superman. The film was completely through digital effects, so... Hmm which is interesting because uh, the way the way Zack Snyder did this, he wasn't able to film like he said he filmed like 70 percent of the film before he had to leave because of his daughter's illness. Yeah. So I feel like they he didn't get to film the black suit stuff if he wanted to do that. But uh, the scene where Superman is going to get his new suit, he's back in the Fortress of Solitude and he goes by the couple of suits. He sees the Zod suit. He sees um. Or he sees some suit, he sees, he actually sees, like, the armor suit that his dad wore, which I thought would have been pretty cool. And then he sees the regular red, red and blue suit, and then you don't see the black suit at first, and then he first comes out, it's the callback to Man of Steel, where you both hear um, Jonathan Kent and um, Jor-El speaking, their overlapping dialogue, that Hans Zimmer score. Yeah, that was a great It's moment. an amazing scene. It's an amazing scene. I love it so much. It, ju- it was a brilliant callback. And his fight with, um, Steppenwolf, uh, again, the two, the two differences, the fight with Steppenwolf, he, how he comes in with the Josh Whedon universe, um, <coughs> it's more like him being kind of play up as Christopher Reeves, where he's like, I believe in truth, but I'm also a big fan of justice. And then he just clocks him. But then the way he enters into 
the Snyder cut, he just stops Steppenwolf's um, axe right in front of him and just goes, not impressed. Like, holy fuck, I had chills. <sighs> it was so good. Breaks the ass and basically beats the living shit out of Steppenwolf. Like, breaking his armor that's basically indestructible. Punch, laser, punch, laser. A great moment where the portal, well, again, you know, the world dies, but whatever. And then the Flash does the reverse thing, which was a great shocking yeah, moment. Yeah, don't, don't just breeze over that. That's one of my favorite... That's one of my favorite shots in the whole freaking movie. It's like one of the best mm-hmm. superhero moments of all time, I think. Like the Flash getting late. the reverse time and one step mm-hmm. at a time. And he's been, he had this confidence issue the entire movie. Like, well, what can I contribute? I don't really know how to fight. And then he turns back freaking time to It's to a great shocking moment. Yeah. Everybody. Just like visually you see space and. Why would we didn't cut that out? That also could have stayed in the final cut. I don't, th- I don't, I don't know if that was cut out or it wasn't filmed yet. Because, again, yeah. the 70% thing. But I'll, also, maybe the studio brought him in to have... They brought Whedon in to do his thing. So, and I guess Snyder didn't want to give... I wouldn't want to give over my work to some director that's not going to do the same thing. It's a, yeah. it's a great moment. It's a great moment for a flash. It sucks that Ezra Miller's a terrible person. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, just a, try it's a great to, just moment. Try to for enjoy that. the work, I guess. Try to ignore it as best you can. And I mean, don't um, ignore a great it, but moment. like, don't well, I, on you, it. you know what I mean. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. And it's just kind of, it's, it's a great moment when he finally, you see the bones and the skin go back on the superheroes. You see him touch the mother box. And it's a great moment where you see Darkseid through the portal and Steppenwolf has like one more thing. One more, like one more roar. Aquaman stabs him through the chest. Wonder Woman uh, goes through and chops his head off, and then Superman just punches him through the freaking uh, the portal. And then Darkseid is just there, just like steps on the head, but looks through, and all the superheroes are looking at Darkseid, and they're basically saying, "What's up? Like, what are you gonna do?" Come back here. Iconic, iconic. Fuck around and find out. That's basically the meme what it is. Look, it's you know, I so love, good. I love me the Avengers movies, but nobody does iconography like Zack Snyder. Like I said, like the mm-hmm. poses, the individual shots, nobody does that like him. He really makes these heroes feel mythical. Like they're like he'll tell stories about these people for all time. The and that's what I always loved about DC growing up is that the characters felt like icons. Marvel were always they were always the down-to-earth characters, just your, your average people who happen to get superpowers. DC always felt like they were better than you, but you were okay with that because you were supposed to look up to them. They weren't supposed to be just average people on your level. And that, to me, is why I'll always prefer DC over Marvel, because in the when I look up to... Sup- I want to be able to look up to my superheroes, not see them... Um, the same level as me and mm. Zack Snyder gets that he he gets that these are icons to be adored and displayed like that so he's that mm. just makes me feel good watching this is what I want superhero stuff to feel like when I'm watching it um it's so good yeah well, one other thing I like about them is heroes that I, I just remembered this note here the Justice League actually saves a bunch of regular people in the movie. 
which even in this four-hour superhero cut where there's a lot of big stuff happening, mm-hmm. a lot of not movies... Not the Russian family. <laughs> well, not in this cut. A lot of superhero <laughs> movies don't take the time to show superheroes saving regular people anymore. They used to do it a lot more, but now it's just, let's focus single-mindedly on the big overwhelming threat, but they don't save people anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so yeah. I like that the Justice League actually saves people. Like off the top of my head, Wonder Woman stopped that bank robbery was a little overkill. That's a great scene. The ending was a bit overkill, but okay. So she saved them. Like Flash saved Iris West from the car crash, for example. Mm-hmm. Aqua- Aquaman saved some people. And the, the hot dog. And the hot dog. Saved some- Aquaman saved some people in Atlantis, I think. Uh, they got... There's other ones too, but yeah, they actually save regular people. Actually uh, save one people. controversy. It's I funny wanna... when you can. It's funny when you compare it to the Avengers. Avengers kill a lot of people. If you think oh, a about lot, it. a lot. But Zack Snyder <laughs> gets the Zack Snyder movies get crap for them because they take themselves more seriously. I guess. Yeah. Avengers movies and I guess are a little when, more if cartoony. You, Avengers, so... it's more. It's more technically like henchmen, so people don't really care. I so. bet you the Avengers' body count's bigger than the Justice League's in this universe. 100%. I bet they're bigger than Zod's. <laughs> yeah. At, at this point, I mean, Sokovia, if, do you count Sokovia? Possibly... Do I count Sokovia? Yes. When they literally <laughs> l- dropped a whole city from the sky? Well, they had to. They had to drop it a little early. Do you count Jatari lives? No. Those are aliens. Aliens don't count. <laughs> you racist bastard. <laughs> <laughs> They're more what? like monsters. Anyway. So one controversy I wanted to get into just a little bit here. Uh, the common complaint of DC should have taken their time with this universe. They should have jumped in right with BBS. And this is really going back to uh, defense for BBS. But... People always whine, oh, they should have given them all solo movies like Marvel did and taking their time and they were rushing to catch up to the Avengers. Oh, yeah, I got to say, another thing about BBS, if you like Captain America Civil War and you don't like BBS, you're a hypocrite. I'm just going to say that right now because those movies are a lot more similar than maybe you'd like to admit. Um... I don't know about that. No, they really the no. Captain, they're very because Cap, Captain Captain America's the, Civil War had like what eight years of build up with these characters. Batman v Superman had one movie. Doesn't so, matter the plot. The plots of different. The, the plots of those two movies are basically the same. So they're basically like, the same, but one had better build up. Doesn't matter. I don't think either movie's fantastic, but like I always thought, okay, I. My opinions are consistent on both. I just know some people mm. love one and hate the other, and I'm like, I don't care what kind of buildup the one had. It doesn't make Civil War a great movie. Doesn't make BBS a great movie either. But they're similar enough Civil that your War opinions ought to be favorite. consistent. So, no, I'm going to defend it a little bit. I, it's it's okay, but I that my opinion on that one is downslid a lot over the years. Uh, but what was my point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, people always say it should have had the build-up, it should have had the lead-up, and the one I always point to is a Marvel movie, actually. I always say, where was the Guardians of the Galaxy solo movies before their first one? 
We didn't need a solo movie for Peter Quill, Gamora, Groot, Rocket, uh, Drax. We didn't need to see all of them have solo movies before their team-up movie. It was just the first Guardians of the Galaxy. We know nothing about these people. We learn everything we need to know about them in that movie. They had their adventure. The solo movie lead-up thing to the Avengers was novel at the time. It worked. But I don't really think DC needed that. Because, well, A... By the time Batman v Superman came out, we already have a movie like Guardians that proves, yeah, you could have an entire team-up movie, do the team-up thing, get the team together, have them do their mission, get to know all the characters on the team, and have that be written efficiently. But also, this is DC. Guardians of the Galaxy are a bunch of D-listers we know nothing about from the comic books. We're dealing with Batman, Superman, Flash, Wonder Woman... Things average people who aren't really into comic books or superheroes know about. So why do we need all these solo movies to build up to a team-up film for characters we already know? I mean, you could argue it was a little rushed to have Batman and Wonder Woman and BVS together with Superman. Okay. But we know them already. We didn't need whole movies to explain who they were for general audiences. Nobody knew about Guardians. Nobody knew about the Avengers. Nobody cared about Iron Man or Thor or Captain America before the Avengers. You needed that build-up in the public imagination. I think DC, you know, you could say it was a bit of a misstep not to build it up better, but I also think that a better written movie didn't need to. I just hate the idea that they needed to do this or that. Needed to do it Marvel's way, because I don't think they did. Like, there are examples which prove the way they did it could have worked better. It could have worked better, but you can't deny that the Marvel formula worked to perfection. So that's why why people wanted Marvel to do it that way. And there is, if you think about it, Aquaman before the Snyder Cut is the most joked about DC character of, like, all time. Nobody really likes Aquaman, unless, like, it's the comic book purists who know how, like, cool and... Uh, like, actually powerful Aquaman is. The Flash, you know, um, like, a fan favorite as well. And, uh, yeah, Wonder Woman, again, same... Uh, this... Did Wonder, 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 Wonder Woman came out before Justice League, correct? Yes. If I'm thinking... If I remember, yeah. So that... They did that pretty well, too. I, I, I understand what you're doing, and if I think they did, and this would have been a perfect world if maybe if Snyder's um situation didn't happen and he was able to make this movie and do like a part one and part two it could have worked because i feel like that's what they would have done i don't think they would have released like a four and a half hour cut they probably would have done like a part one and part two and it would have worked pretty well but uh just with i i understand why some people i i i lean more towards doing the marvel formula way but just not do it exactly the way they had to I just feel like they tr- they really did, in my opinion, really try to catch up with Marvel in terms of not with Man of Steel, but definitely with Batman v Superman. Because just like you said, they're very similar movies where you take the two most popular characters in your franchise and have them fight each other for various reasons. Yeah, I, I just think, look at a movie like, well, even Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think, yeah, Aqu- like Aquaman had been released by the point Zack Snyder's Justice League came out. Wonder Woman had been released. We'd seen the original Justice League cut, so people kind of knew what was going on already. 
But I think Zack Snyder's Justice League, besides Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, explains all the other new members pretty well. It explains Cyborg, Aquaman, mm. Flash For really sure. well within this movie. Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, we already know their stories from, well, the Wonder Woman movie, Batman v Superman, Man of Steel. So there's a couple movies you could see before to get who they are. You're not going to... But also, if you've never seen the other movies, we know Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Everyone should just know who they are before you watch Zack Snyder's Justice League. If you're just watching, this is a standalone movie. Mm -hmm. The iconography of those characters is such that you don't need a solo movie of them before your universe to like you know who they are at this point like you to can't... play to play a little devil's advocate i'm gonna say children don't just a little devil's advocate so they they could help like how them. young like but how uh, young children are we talking about like four because i feel like most children have worn a superman tee or a batman tee i mean or like play the games or yeah. watch a cartoon but like here's the thing though with i didn't know much about iron man but there were still like cartoons of him like I know, but iron I was man born. was a like, but this, it's a very, you're playing apples and oranges here. You know, Iron Man was a, like a B-list character, like only comic book fans cared about in 2008. Nobody cared about mm. Iron Man, Captain America, Thor. They were jokes. I went into Captain America, the first Avenger, thinking Cap was a joke. As one of the few people who kind of knew about Cap, even a little bit. And I was a fan of this stuff back then before it was cool. Everybody knew Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, even if you didn't know all the... the deep lore and everything everyone knew who they were as pop culture icons i see your point for decades I see your point like everyone in their mother knows it like batman has been around batman and superman have been around since like 1939 1938 like my grandparents like mm -hmm. could have been reading them when they were 10 years old just like i watched the cartoons when i was 10 years old like everyone knows who they are yeah I think the way they've done it um, to perfection is in the new 52 anime universe, but that's because they've just learned from their, the live-action stuff, yeah. where they did the Justice League movie first, and then they did uh, a lot of solo movies for each character later on. Well, maybe not each character, but, you know, one character is in this person's solo movie, and then one character is in this one. Which, which I feel like that was their... worked even good, too. I think that was their plan. It didn't quite go... How uh, they expected, but I think they were trying to do... That's what they were doing with that email thing in Batman v Superman. They were trying to be like, yeah. okay, here, here's everybody, now we're going to spin off. A part of me wishes there was a Green Lantern, if I'm being honest. That's there just a personal be. thing. It doesn't... It doesn't there was uh, a Green like, Lantern in Zack Snyder's Justice League, just not... Yeah, he's dead. Flashback. <laughs> it's different. Yeah. Yeah, but he's dead, though. I would have loved to be, see, like, a John Stewart version. There was a version of this movie where Martian Manhunter was John Stewart instead. I know, okay. I know there was. I know there was talks that, like, when Ma Martian Manhunter comes to see Batman at the end, it, there was, like, 50-50 mm. that it was going to be a John Stewart, too. Or, like, in either or. It was either going to be Martian Manhunter or John Stewart, and they settled on I Martian think it'd be, Manhunter. Yeah. If it's not Jon Stewart, I would love if Nathan Fillion played a live-action Green Lantern. Because he's voiced him a lot in the animation stuff. Oh, yeah. So I think, it, I think it'd be perfect. He's got Hal Jordan on but he's too. He's too busy with The Rookie. <laughs> Which I've heard yeah. is actually a pretty decent show. It's a decent stopped, cable show. I stopped watching around season three. The first two seasons were... I think it's got a spinoff, so... 
Oh yeah. I've the heard first two seasons good. were really good and then the creator left and it just started getting like overly mm. preachy. The writing started taking a down like okay. just like every cable show. Yeah. Like all nuance has gone out the window now. It's less interesting. Whenever I see whenever I see those commercials for just like regular ass cable shows like um Chicago Fire or like the rookie like that, I'm always like, This is gonna last one season. And then you look yeah. it up, it's like six seasons later, you're like, Holy shit. Yeah. So yeah, Nathan Villian should yeah, bring a Green Lantern in. Uh I heard they're making an HBO Max show for Green Lantern still. Okay. That one's supposed to be I've heard they tied in they've tied for the Matt Reeves universe, they're saying that the Penguin show is going to set up uh like his character in the bat in the sequel to the Batman. So it's going to tie in a lot to that movie. Sure, why not? Which is good. All right, Which it doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be a movie and then 10 different shows, but it can be like a movie and then one show you want to focus on this character. Yeah. All right, let's wrap up. So it's up. kind We've of Marvel formula, but then it's not at the same time. We've gone on too long. Let's. let's you don't want to go here. four hours? <laughs> you don't want to go four hours? Like In honor of the Zack Snyder Justice League cut, we're doing four hour podcasts. <laughs> we're going to do a 24 hour straight live stream. <laughs> I should just loop it. All right. A couple times. That'd be make funny. It a f- make it a four-hour <laughs> podcast, but it's really just the same podcast twice. For our review of um, if we ever buy The Last of Us Part 1 remastered, like the recent one, we sh- you should just play that first bit of our podcast, but then just like brighten up the audio. <laughs> just do the same thing. That's why I've seen so many reviews. They did like their reviews of 10 years ago and then just... Like, re- like, change the color grading. It's really funny. You know what yeah, I would do if we were talking about... Sorry, I just go saw ahead. your face. Go ahead, go ahead. I just saw your face, and I had a, a stupid idea. We were talking about uh, the weed and cut more. I should CGI your face out in the edit. Give you uh, no beard. <laughs> <laughs> Give me no beard? Yeah. Let's see if in, honor, in honor of the Justice League. Not the, not the good one. Joe, Joe learns deepfake technology. Alrighty, well, you can find me at Ryan Walker Official on Instagram and on TikTok and on YouTube. Starting to stream now. Starting to stream Jedi Fallen Order. Having a lot of fun doing Jedi Survivor hype. Join the fun. Subscribe. Trying to, you know, make it into content again. And also subscribe to this YouTube channel, obviously. Alright, you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at ThoughtPlay Media. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Also, be sure to leave us comments and reviews, as that's a big help. And how about clicking that like button or sharing if you enjoyed this? We hope to see you on the next close-up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time. Tell me. Do you bleed? You will. (laughs) I'm just imagining if he said it like that. You will.